You're listening to. You're listening to. You're listening to. You're listening to. The Life Tree Community Church Podcast. Uh, the past few weeks, we've been exploring the uh, need, our need, for the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives in order to successfully navigate life. We need the Holy Spirit in order to make it through this life. Um, in Isaiah, God promises that uh, he will give new strength to the weak. Remember, we've got the passage up here. Uh, that we don't have enough strength on our own to muscle through everything that's in front of us. And the verse says, uh, those, here we go, those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. That we need God's strength uh, for those defining moments in our lives. That we start with soaring, right? We need God's strength for those defining moments. For those times that are going to define much of what comes next. Those big big, huge moments in life uh, where much of what we will become and what happens to us is defined in that moment. There's these critical moments, and that's when God says, I I will give you strength uh, to soar. It could be a job decision. It could be a relationship decision, a financial decision, a health decision. Um, It could be just obstacles, challenges. Who knows what it could be in that moment? We don't know when they come. We don't know what they're going to require of us. All we know is that God says, if you trust in me, right, in all of your moments, You'll have all that you need to rise up and soar to meet that moment on wings like eagles. And we'll also need God's strength for our daily work. We talked about that last week for the for the running, for the grind, for everything that demands our labor. For when we need to try, we we work for much of our days. Most of your days are spent working. Hopefully you've had some days off with Thanksgiving. Hopefully everybody took Thanksgiving off and you didn't do work. If you did work on Thanksgiving, I'm sorry. but we get weary from constantly just grinding it out and striving and giving our best to fulfill our responsibilities. And God promises if we trust him, he'll give us strength to run and not grow weary. To keep going, right, because he's the oxygen, the air in our lungs. And uh, so today, we come to that final scenario where God promises to give us strength. And it doesn't seem so impressive. He says, you will walk <laughs> and not faint. Here we go. Oh, it's, oh, man, it's going to be a good one. We had eagles, we have horses, and now turtles. Um, it seems kind of anticlimactic after the other two, doesn't it? You're like soaring, running, walking, walking. Um, walking isn't so hard. It's like, I, I, can, I can do the walking. Um, but the interesting thing about Hebrew literature is that the text was always written in ascending importance, which meant that this was supposed to crescendo with walking. This was not the way you'd think it was written. In effect, soaring was just the starting point. Running was much, but now, I mean, really, this is the big deal. We're going to walk and not faint. And you're like, walking? Walking. Walking was the greatest problem, and it doesn't, promise of them all, and it just doesn't seem so big in our lives. We're like, yeah, that must have been an old-time thing, but not so much a today thing. Why was it so important that God would prompt Isaiah to include it last? Like, maybe maybe he just misheard it. Or, or, you know, something like that. Um, most of us have favorite actors that you enjoy watching in movies. Some of you probably watched some movies the last couple of weeks if you're into movies or shows or things like that. Um, I, like, I, like, I like some movies. Some of my favorite actors, and particularly in their roles, I, I, Bill Murray in What About Bob, right? You can't, you got Bob Wiley, right? Bob Wiley, right? This is, can't, you can't beat that. Um, I, I enjoyed Jack Black as Ignacio in Nacho Libre. Right? Come on, look at that. I mean, right, he's got the, the smolder going on, right? You can, you, you can just appreciate it. Uh, 
old oldie but a goodie, Humphrey Bogart as Rick in Casablanca, right? Oh man, is a that's what a role, man. What's, I mean, mm. uh, Morgan Freeman in any movie <laughs> doesn't matter. Lego Movie just as good. It doesn't matter. Just his voice. It just Morgan Freeman is incredible. Um, the entire cast of Princess Bride. Right, just take them all. Just take them all. They were all absolutely perfect. So think about your favorite actor, actress, and in particular, what was their, what was your favorite role they were in? So anybody, give me, give me a shout out. What's your favorite actor in a role? Kiera Knightley in Pride and Prejudice. Not seen it. Surprised. Okay, I'm, I'm sure she was great. I saw her in Pirates. She was good in Pirates. All right, somebody else. What are you gonna say? In Sydney Poitier and To Serve with Love. All right, that's with gravitas. I mean, anything Sidney Poitier is in, that's like, man, that's like, that's acting. That's acting. All right, somebody else. Anybody else got anything? Julie Andrews. Julie Andrews. And then uh, The Sound of Music. All right, yeah, Princess Diaries. All right, there you go. Um, and in some ways, some of you have watched those movies like over and over again, right? To the point that you kind of feel like you know that actor or actress, right? You feel like if you were to spend time with them, right, that you, you, you would know what they're like because you've seen them so many times. Um, uh, the reality is, uh, you know, we have no idea what they're like in reality. Some of them we do, and we probably wouldn't like them as much in person. <laughs> we like them better in their role in those things. Uh, but they're professional per performers, right? They're, they're paid and trained to act. That's their job. That's what they're paid to do. Acting is certainly a skill. Um, and if you don't think acting is a skill, okay, watch a Hallmark movie. <laughs> and you will understand, all right, Sidney Poitier, yeah, there's a reason he's not on Hallmark, because he's actually good at it. Acting is not easy to do. Um, professionals do it. Yet in some ways, we all do a bit of performing. We just don't call it that. We just don't call it that. Uh, anybody ever heard the term emotional intelligence? You ever heard this phrase, emotional intelligence? It's the ability to really recognize and respond accordingly in a variety of settings and situations we find ourselves in. To really like simplify it, oversimplify it, it'd be the ability to read the room. Right? Like if, if we kind of like boil it, there's, there's much more complex than that. There's much more to it. But in general, emotional intelligence is the ability to read the room. And part of that is the ability to adjust our behavior according to who we're with. In olden days, some of you would remember uh, people telling you to mind your manners. Mind your manners because you had to uh, treat your elders differently. And you, had to, you were taught how to respond in certain situations. Classic movie, My Fair Lady. Right, if you remember, that was a case study in what it looks like to learn how to act, how to talk, how to behave in a setting and adjust one's lang language and behavior accordingly. Now, we may not want to admit it, but most of us do that every single day. Uh, we'll act one way with our family, and we'll act a totally different way at work. Because when you go to work, you put on a different hat. You're no longer, you, you you're, you're in your work mode, right? And you become another person because your responsibilities demand a personality type or because you've learned that people are going to respond to you differently based on how you act. And so you've got to, you can't just be you. You've got to be this part of you or this kind of you in that setting. And then when work is over and you're with friends, then a whole other side of you comes out. 
not home you or work you, but a different part. You have friends who could probably tell stories that people at work and maybe even your family wouldn't believe. They're like, oh, if you, <laughs> yeah, we don't talk, we don't talk about Bruno, right? We don't talk about that. You may even have a nickname for that side of you. I won't say who, but some of you, it's like, you know, Party Animal Pete or Weekend Wanda. You know, you've got like a name. It's like, oh, this is your thing when you're with friends. And then maybe when, when you show up with strangers, when like you're around strangers, you're at the mall or at the shop, right, or walking through, I don't know, Home Depot or something, um, you've got, you don't even know like what part of you is going to show up. Like you've got, like you could be anybody you want in those settings. Um, you know how many people who I have walked by in ShopRite who I know who didn't recognize me because I had my hoodie on and my hat pulled low and they just like walked right by me. Um, I'm kind of proud of it, actually. It's like, it's like I'm undercover. It's like, yeah, they don't know I'm Pastor Dan at that moment. No, I'm just, I'm just trying to get some milk and I want to get in and out. Um, and it's like this, right, when you're around strangers, we can, we can put on different personas, right? Learning to adjust for context, I always want to make it clear, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's not bad. It's not wrong. Um, the Apostle Paul actually bragged about it. <laughs> he said uh, uh, that when he was with the Jews, he learned to live like the Jews and do everything that the Jews did so that he could, he could talk to Jews and follow their laws and their customs. And then when he hung out with people who were not Jewish, they called them Gentiles, when he hung out with anybody who was not Jewish, he said he, he did away with the Jewish laws and he lived according to the Gentile way. And he would, he would do that because he said, he said, he told us why. He said, I try to find common ground with everyone doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. So his motive was good and honorable. He was trying to adapt to the environment to reach people. So it's not necessarily bad to do that. We don't have to feel bad about being aware of our surroundings, about having some emotional intelligence and the people we're with. But it does bring up the question, is there anywhere that we are truly ourselves? where there is no performing, where we are really us, where there's no adjusting for others? And the answer is absolutely yes. It's when you're alone. <laughs> when you're absolutely alone. And I'm totally serious. When nobody else is around. If there's no one to impress and no one to worry about, no one to wonder what they're thinking, that's when we are most ourselves. Think about who you are when you're alone when no one is watching, when you're free to do what you want, that's the truest version of yourself. And not only when you're physically alone, but we can also be just alone in our thoughts. Nobody has access sometimes. Nobody can hear what's going on in our head. How thankful are you for that? <laughs> right? Um, if, you could, if you could read each other's mind, there's no question how it would change how you'd look at the people around you and how they would look at you. We can also be alone in our feelings, right? Nobody really knows what we feel all the time. We can get really good at disguising that, right, about our fears or worries or um, what we carry. We have hopes, dreams, joys. We've got all this, this, this just hodgepodge of emotion, joys, sorrows, and all of those alone times really are the most honest insights into who we really are. So what does that have to do with walking, with God giving us strength to walk? And I want to just propose this, that walking, in my definition, is what we do when no one is watching. Walking means what we do when no one is watching. It refers not so much to what we do, actually, as it is to who we are. That we have it built into our English language, right? I don't care if you 
talk the talk, I want to know if you can walk the walk, right? No pretense, no performance, that our walk reveals our integrity, our character. Because of that, right, our walking is also where our character gets tested. It was Dr. Mark Rutland who said, you want to know someone's true nature? Since it's not revealed in how they treat a visiting VIP at an expensive dinner. He said, watch how they treat the waiter. Walking is ordinary. It's basic and it doesn't feel special. Yet it's the exact message of the prophet that the small things are the most important of all. Soaring, yeah, running, walking. It's the most important of all. If we need more proof, King David, at the time when kings go off to war, decided to stay home. It was a work decision. It was a running decision. I'm not going to, I'm going to stay home when we usually do this. Okay, a work decision. Then in his free time, he is walking on his palace roof and he notices a woman bathing. It's a private moment. And David was alone. And he chose to keep looking in his alone time. And private thoughts became public actions. And he says, who is that woman then? And then that leads to him choosing to violate what he knows right. And it leads to an affair and lies and murder and ultimately the death of his son. So tell me, who was David really? Was he David the king up in front of everybody? Or was he David on the rooftop? And I don't think David wanted to be an unfaithful, lying, murderous person. I think David failed to invite God to help him walk. He trusted God for the soaring, and he, he trusted God for the running, but he said in the walking, oh, I got it. I got it. See, we can't underestimate the importance of our walking, of who we really are. Which is why God promises, if you trust me, I will help you walk well. You will always have the strength you need to truly be the person you present in public. How much better would the world be if we were actually the people we look like when we're on our best behavior? <laughs> Wouldn't you like to live in a world where everybody was actually what they pretend to be? And shouldn't that honestly be true of every follower of Jesus? Not that we're perfect, but that we don't pretend. And I want to just pause for a minute, and it's a little bit of a tangent, but the goal is not simply to be real. There are people who fall back on um, things like, at least I'm not being fake while they're being miserable. They're being awful and horrible people, and they go, well, at least I'm not a fake. No, you're just awful and that simply means you're in the wrong and you're proud of it. And God has very clear warnings for people who adopt that attitude. You can look it up later. I promise you it doesn't end well. We're told that God will give us strength to walk and not faint. And that's an interesting word, not faint. It doesn't say we won't get tired. And it doesn't say that we won't be tempted to quit. He says you'll have the strength to keep going even when and especially when you don't want to. So let's make this really practical. When would you need that kind of strength? When would you be in danger of fainting, of literally passing out, of like just stopping, of just absolutely being done, of, it, of compromising your integrity? 
So let me ask you this. Have you ever felt the battle for your thoughts? You know what you should be thinking about, yet there's a war in your mind. You need strength for the walking. Have you ever gotten really tired of taking the high road? You have somebody that you just, man, just, just one time, just one time, right? I just, just want to fight dirty just one time. It'll feel so good. Right? It's more about who you are than what you can do because you know what's right. You just don't feel like doing it. You need the power to keep doing right, and that only comes from Jesus, the one who endured the shame of the cross right, and refused to hit back. He empowers you to keep taking that high road. That's how it looks to keep walking. Have you ever wanted to hold on to hurt and bitterness? Maybe somebody did something to you, and you just wanted to hold that grudge. Hmm. I'm going to let them know I'm not somebody who will forget. You don't mess with me. You don't cross with me. It can feel good. It can feel noble. It can feel like power. And it's absolutely nothing like Jesus. And it will ultimately do you more harm than anybody else. It's a lie. And it's something we can hold deep inside where nobody else sees. And the other person may not even know it. But it's forming who you are. Actually, what it's, it's deforming who you are. You need the power to forgive, and that only comes from Jesus, who is forgiveness, and that's the power to keep walking. You ever wanted to just indulge yourself, right? It feels good. God understands. He can't expect me to be perfect. Just one more time. And this is a war for your walking, for who you are. There's some, there were so many temptations before Jesus. Look at the desert, and he beat it all. There are times we just want to give in and do what feels good. It's a battle for your soul to keep, to, to faint, to stop, to, to let who you are to, to die and something else take over. You need the power to stay pure and holy, especially when no one is looking. And Jesus offers you that strength. How good is God that he helps us with all this kind of stuff? That he gives you and me the power to walk the talk that we're never going to run out of it. That's what God does, right? He says, I will give you all the power you need to keep walking what you say. To actually be the person you know you're supposed to be. To be righteous. Righteous it really is a fancy word to meaning, just think of it like to be right. To do what's right. That you know is right. That it's impressed. To be righteous means just to do what's right. We want to be that kind of person. And it's not so much about how we work or those defining moments. It's, it's, it's everything in all the things, even in the littlest things. We want to be the person who always does right, and it's hard. And there are times we just, I don't feel like being the person who needs to do what's right right now. And God says, if you trust in me, I'll help you never run out of that energy. So that's what God does, because he's really good. So then... What can we do? What part do we play in this? Like, is there anything for us to do other than just sit there and be like, help? Right, what can we do? I'm only going to suggest one practical application. You can certainly come up with more on your own, but I'm going to suggest one thing for us. I'm going to go back to those private moments. If you want to be the real deal, not a perfect person, right? Not somebody who's perfect, not even just an honest person because that's not any more helpful, um, but a righteous person, 
who never stops walking, a person who has the strength to keep doing what's right, to walk and not faint. If you want to be somebody like that, very simply, worship God in your private moments. When nobody is watching, choose to worship. And it may sound weird and odd, and I assure you, followers of Jesus do this. We worship God in our private moments. When you find yourself alone, take time to personally worship God. Could be thanking him for who he is. When you're by yourself with nobody prompting you, choose to thank God for something. When you're by yourself, choose to declare your trust in him, to call on him for help, to recite some scripture that you know that's somewhere in your heart. Reflect on the lyrics of a worship song that we sing or that you've heard somewhere. Or you can simply be still and silent and just rest in his presence. But in those moments, choose to be aware of God, to turn your attention to him. When nobody else prompts you, seek God. Choose to worship him in those private moments. Because when we do that, when we choose to worship God in those private moments, you know what happens? That private moment actually transforms. We transform wherever we are into a a literal sanctuary where the presence of God actually shows up. Not a brick and mortar space, but a holy place. It can be wherever you are. You remember the story of Moses in the desert with the burning bush. It's a a story you maybe, if if you grew up when there was Sunday school in the world, you heard that story. Moses is in the desert alone. And he comes upon a bush and it's burning and it's not unusual and he goes towards it and he recognizes that God is here. And and the presence of God there and God says, hey Moses, take off your Birkenstocks. (laughs) This is holy ground. This is holy ground. There's the desert with sand, rocks, nothing special. And God says, this place is holy because I'm here. We can reclaim the private places and transfer them from opportunities to indulge ourselves and distance ourselves from God into altars where we encounter him in life-changing ways. Let me ask you, what, you know what we do in our private moments? Think about it. What do you do in your private moments? Do you run to your phone? Do you run to a TV or a screen? Do you run to food? <laughs> what do you do in your private moments? Do you do things that nobody else sees? Are they things that draw you closer to God? Are they just means to escape, to hide? See, when we worship God in those private moments, we reclaim those moments that have the potential to push us away from God. And instead, we actually draw closer to him in those moments. We encounter him in life-changing ways because whenever God shows up and meets with us, we change for the better. Whenever God shows up, we change. It could be in your car. It could be on a walk in the park or on a trail somewhere. It could be in the bathroom. I said it. Yes, that may be your only moment of privacy, but even in those moments, God doesn't care. He does not care. Think about this. If we only worship God when we're with other people or when we're here, might our worship actually just be performance? If the only time we ever take to worship is when we're with other people or prompted, might it actually just be performance? 
If I only told Anna that I loved her in front of other people, <laughs> she would notice. If we want to be the real deal, we can't treat faith like a performance. We have to pursue God all week long. We don't even have to be alone to do this. You might be in the middle of chaos. <laughs> Anybody have some chaos this week? Thanksgiving times and you were like, oh, right? Those moments where it's just absolutely bananas. And in the middle of a busy day at work or on your way to the 10th soccer game of the day for your children or with a car full of kids, you could be surrounded by people, yet you could be alone in your mind with God. In that moment, you can choose to seize those ordinary moments and connect with God there. You can find your mind drifting into those unhealthy, unproductive thoughts into doubt and fear and escape and fantasy and maybe even hurtful thoughts and angry thoughts, you can take those captive and choose and said, God, in this moment, I'm going to choose to worship you. Nobody else even knows what I'm doing right now. But in this moment, I'm choosing to worship you. I'm going to walk. I'm going to be the person, not just that I pretend to be, but that I, I want to be. If you struggle with anxiety or stress, those thoughts often hit hardest in alone times. Worship God there. If you carry weight of grief or hurt, again, those alone times can be difficult. Worship God there. Here's the most incredible promise of God. If we will turn to him in our private and alone moments, he says, I'll be there. No matter where you are, alone, in a crowd, if you choose when nobody else knows to worship me, I will be there. He's waiting for us to form us, to shape us, to build us, to strengthen us into the people who are the real deal. No acting. We will be the people who walk the talk. And here's why God saved this for last, right? This is a reverse pyramid. Each layer is dependent on the one above it, below it to have strength. So if we'll trust God in the ordinary, in the walking, the very basic level, if we will trust God in that, we will know his strength in the running because it's founded on that. If you are a person of character all the time, your work is going to show it. If you know God's strength in your private moments, it will overflow into your public life. You can't help it. Why would you pretend in public if you don't pretend in private? And if we trust God in the running, well, we'll definitely know his strength in the soaring. Because there will be no moment too big for us. No challenge too great, no decision too complex. Soaring moments are simply the product of who we are when we walk coming to light. Donald, Donald Creighton is a historian. He said this, history is the record of an encounter between character and circumstance. Mm. That's, a, that's a good one. History is the record of an encounter between character and circumstance. When walking hits that defining moment, you are ready because you are formed into the person you need to be. You are the real deal, and you will not miss that moment. It just confirms what's already there. As we close, I'm going to invite the band back up. I just want to encourage you. The secret to powerful living is no secret at all. It's found in a life fully submitted to God, fully reliant on him for everything. God's power says it works best when we're really strong. God's power works best when you try your best. Nobody's catching me. 
God's power works best when you are perfect. God's power works best in our weakness. He's not looking for strong people to use. He's looking for people who are wise enough to know we're weak and who are completely dependent on him for all things. We can't do anything of worth in our own strength. I'm just going to be really pastoral for a moment. (laughs) You can't do anything on your own of worth. I'm going to say it again. You can't do anything of lasting value on your own. Nothing that will stand the test of time. But God is eager to give you all the strength you need to fully live the life he's given you to live. We're meant to be truly powerful people, to be the kind of people who say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We're meant to be those kind of people. And it's no mystery, no secret. Will you trust me? Will you trust me for your walking, for your running, for the soaring? You're going to get tired. Life's going to have a, no matter how young or old you are, you will wear out. But those who put their trust in the Lord, they will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. Let me tell you, they are going to walk and not faint. Let's close in prayer. Jesus, please make us people who walk the talk. May we feel your strength with us at all times. In those defining moments that seem so monumental, in our labor and our daily work that demands our best efforts, and most of all in our private moments. Deep in our soul, deep inside, may we receive your power for all of it. And may others recognize your strength in us. Would they notice it? And would that, would the strength they perceive in us bring glory to you? Would the spotlight be on you? The one who gives all people the strength to soar, to run, to walk. I'm going to pray the prayer of Paul that he prayed over the church, over us as we close. And it goes like this. When we think of all this, we fall to our knees and pray to you, our Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. And we pray that from your glorious, unlimited resources, you will empower us with inner strength through your spirit. Then Christ will make his home in our hearts as we trust in him. And our roots will grow down into your love and keep us strong. And may we have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep your love is. May we experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand. Then we will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from you, God. Now all glory to you who are able through your mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or imagine. All glory to you in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever and ever. 
Everybody said.